You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles, your favorite true crime podcast. I am Donnie, and joining me is a man that wants everyone to know that it's not a coincidence that almost all movies about camping are horror movies. Miss Dale. Ain't that the damn truth? Yep. That's because it is a horror movie. You don't camp, do you? No. I'm too old for that shit. Yeah. You don't lay on the ground and sleep? No. Not unless you passed out? True. <laughs> That's been a while. At least I can stumble somewhere. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Passed out on the grass, have to hold on to the grass to keep from falling out of the yard. That's right. Yeah. Hold on, baby. <laughs> What's going on, dude? Same old, same old. You know it. Same old, same old. Ready to rock and roll, baby. Yeah, we're in here recording, doing another episode for you guys. Happy, happy to be here. We are very happy. Yeah. You got anything you want to mention or anybody you want to talk about before we get going today? I do like to like to give a little shout out to a place called America's Fudge Shop up there in... Uh, America's Fudge Shop? Far City. Whoa. Yeah, I guess it's Forest City's Fudge Shop. but Forest... <laughs> Forest City. Yeah, on my bad. Forest City. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it's a really cool little place. Went in there the other day. Me and the family dropped in, and man, they got some good stuff. So if you're local, head up there and grab you some. It's good. Good fudge. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, they got like 24 flavors. Go up there and buy a block. It's like five bucks, but if you buy four, you get two free. So you can get like a six pack. A it's, six pack of fudge. Yeah, and it's good. man, it's good. Heck yeah, we like fudge. We do. And they got how many flavors? 24. 24 flavors. A fudge. Yeah. Huh. Heck yeah. They got like a strawberry cheesecake, and then they got some that's like a, like an orange crush kind I of thought, stuff. I thought like fudge a, was just fudge flavor. Well, you're fudging wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger swirl, vanilla this, oh, man. something cheesecake, strawberry cheesecake. I'll have to go check them out. Yeah, it's really good. It's not like overpowering flavors. It's really good and smooth, and it's just smooth, it's good. smooth fudge. Pretty good. Pretty good. Heck yeah. Well, I'll have to go check them out. Then you can leave there and go over to that cool arcade place. And they got the little arcade yeah. museum up there. So it's like kind of yeah. right next door to that kind of sort of. Yeah. Yep. Anyhow. But if you want to uh, go up there to Far City, you can do that. Or you can go over to Apple Podcast and click that five-star button and leave a rate and review. And just please write something in the box. Yeah, go ahead and do that. That way we won't be talking about foot shops instead of we can be giving you a shout-out. Just go, go do it now. <laughs> and uh, we'll remind everybody, too, that they can go on Spotify and they can right there and they can comment on every episode they sure can we absolutely appreciate it if they do that they can recommend us on facebook they can do all kind of you can just holler at your window and tell your neighbor yeah just tell spread, a friend spread the word spread the word we appreciate it so much go over and buy you a t-shirt and a wall banner and a hanger and a flag and put it in the front yard yeah 
Support the crack house. Support us, people. Please. Yeah, people have bought some shirts, but they not sending us any pictures of them. So please do that. Yeah, all you guys, anybody who's got any merchandise with our logo on it. Yeah. Any of the fifteen logos. Display it, and we'll <laughs> we'll uh, post it on our socials. Maybe that one. You can put a bag on your head if you don't want to know. If you want to keep your identity. That's it. <laughs> Guess oh, also, let me give you a shout out to uh, Happy Birthday to uh, Wings, etc. They had a big birthday party last night. I went down, hung out a little bit. Okay, cool. So, so anyway, all right, now go ahead. All right, dude, we're gonna get going on this episode. Let's go. Because um, we Two, got a, something a little bit different. Yeah, yeah we got to change gears every now and again. Yeah, it's the, we hadn't done anything like this. This no. is um, totally different for us. We've done, a, I guess, a couple sports things. Maybe wrestling. We've done some yeah. stuff, but uh, this is a. Uh, Something. Yeah, we've done real sports for him. We've got some baseball here. Yeah, this is um, switching some gears, no doubt. But this is a case I've been wanting to cover for a while, and it's a really unsolved, mysterious kidnapping. Yeah, and I'm going to pick it apart. Yeah, he's going to tear it apart, but we're going to get into it. This is about Violet Ripken. She is the mother of Cal Ripken Jr., a baseball Hall of Famer. Yeah, Iron Man. Yeah, but just a little bit of background on Violet. She was born Violet Roberta Gross on February the 27th, 1938 in Maryland. But Violet had been known by her nickname. People called her Vi. Yeah. V-I. Right. And she grew up there in Aberdeen, Maryland. And Aberdeen is just a small town. It's about 30 miles northeast of Baltimore, Maryland. Right. And there in that hometown, she would meet a guy and fall in love and eventually married him. And his name was Cal Ripken. High school sweetheart story. Yes, it was. And he had a, a side on some athletic career he had going on there. Yeah, he wanted to be a major leaguer. Yeah, baseball player. Yes. No doubt. And in 1957, Cal Ripken was signed by his hometown team, the Baltimore Orioles. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and over a seven-year professional career, he would uh, struggle mm, yeah. to make it in the big leagues. Yeah, he had lots of injuries and stuff, kind of kept him sidelined a good bit. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. But even though that, even though we wasn't playing, he also had a brilliant mind for the game. Yeah, he yeah. did. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But even though his playing career ended in 1964, he would eventually settle into a lengthy career, like you said, coaching mm-hmm. and managing the team. Right. And while he was doing all this, you know, they were still having a family there, and Violet had given birth to four children, three sons and a daughter. The sons were Cal Jr., Billy, Fred, and they had one daughter named Ellen. You know Uh, what uh, Billy's claim to fame is? The the 1989 Fleer baseball card. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, for those people who don't know, if you've ever seen one, there's like three different versions of this card. he, He would always write little notes on the knob of his bat and when he put it in the barrel that way he could find it but this happened today the the one the, he had in his hand when he come to take the photos had a for the baseball card yeah for the baseball card mm-hmm. it had a uh a, a dirty word on it yeah it did so it's the well anyway yeah go check it out so anyway there's three different versions it's the ff error and then there's like a one that has a white block over it, and then one has a black block over it. but there's three different versions but anyway that's what billy's claim to fame is I mean, yeah, besides his playing career, I mean, that's everybody knows him in the, in the collection group areas for the FF card. Well, I think Billy, his career in baseball was pretty much mirrored like his dad's yeah. uh, injuries and stuff. And Right. Yeah. But the family, they owned a house there in Aberdeen, Maryland, and they would consider this their home. And they quickly 
got used to their traveling ways of the the minor leagues and the major league baseball. As Cal Ripken Sr., he was working his way up through the Baltimore Orioles organization, mm-hmm. you know, in a variety of positions, including third base coach, bullpen coach, scout, and even the team manager. Right. Pretty cool. It is very cool. And his position changing almost every year or every other year, this required the family to move quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, I guess they had to. They had to go where the money's at. Exactly. And by the time the 1980s came around, two of the couple's boys there, they were becoming major league players. You know, his first Cal Jr. and then Billy is a few years later. Right. Yep. And both were drafted by the same organization that uh, their father, Cal, had coached for, the Baltimore Orioles. Think he had anything to do with that? Eh, yeah, well, it could have been. Well, you know, they want to keep the name in, in the town, I guess. I guess, yeah, but it worked out good. But, but they were good players, so it's not like they oh, yeah. just giving papers. Yeah, because uh, Cal, he was he was known as Iron Man, no mm-hmm. doubt. Mm-hmm. One of the best. He spent uh, his entire 20-year major league career in his hometown, Baltimore Orioles. And during that time, he became known as the Iron Man, like I said. Mm-hmm. And he started a record 2,632 consecutive games. That'll never be beat. No. Which shattered the previous record, which held by the New York Yankees' Lou Gehrig. Yep. Yeah. But Cal retired in 2001 and was voted to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2007. Yeah, it was his first year of eligibility, and he went straight in. Exactly, man. But why wouldn't he, you know? Yeah. Who, who can deny that? At least good enough to show up every day for 2,000 games. Exactly. Or damn near 2,700 in a row. That's, that's crazy, <laughs> it's pretty man. pretty amazing. But by the time Cal Jr. and Billy's career ended, their father, Cal Sr., had passed away. Yeah. And Cal Sr. had been able to manage both of his sons in the major leagues. And this was a... That's a feat I don't think ever been touched either. No, huh? I don't think that's ever been happened before. Not both of them at the same time. Yep. While they were there in Maryland, Cal Sr. and uh, Violet, they lived in their split-level home there in Aberdeen. Yep. It was right there on Clover Street. And they had owned this house for several years and became known as like a little haven for the Ripken family when they were in town. Mm-hmm. They never wanted to get rid of it. Just always, that was a place they could always go back home. Yeah, exactly. Right. And Violet was even quoted as saying, I hope I never have to move. Our life simply centers around Aberdeen. It's a small town, my family, our neighbors. I don't think money or being a media family will change our lifestyle. We will always be just what we are. Which is cool. It is cool. They didn't, they stayed true to who they were. Yeah. But Violet's husband, Cal, passed away in 1999. And it was due to some complications of lung cancer. This was um, years of chain smoking, Dale. And it had taken its toll. And she was left widowed in her early 60s. Yep. But she would continue to live at the house that she had shared with her husband, Cal. And all of her four children lived there, too, at one time. Oh, I'm sure. Yep. And she was continued to be surrounded by her kids, grandkids, and uh, just a bunch of loved family members. Yeah, that's pretty young to be withered out. You know? It is, yeah. And after Cal's passing, Violet continued to do a lot of projects to fulfill her time. She became the founding chairwoman of the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation. And, Dale, this is a nonprofit organization that was set up in 2001, which looked to give at-risk youth access to athletic programs. Mm-hmm. And it was designed to build character and camaraderie. Pretty neat. 
And she'd said it was designed with her husband, Cal Senior's values in mind. And she played a, a big role in guiding direction for these organizations. And she also dedicated time to other organizations, such as the Boys and Girls Club. And I think she helped with Special Olympics, too. Yep. Anything to help her. You know, she worked with uh, underprivileged kids. She was all about helping those folks out. Yeah. So that was really good. And it took, yeah. her, it took her time up. I mean, she stayed busy, no yeah. doubt. It was good. It's a good thing. And another thing Violet was also active in was the local minor league baseball team. She would attend these games pretty regular. Well, you know. Yeah. Because her of, son owned three of them. So. Yeah. The <laughs> Aberdeen Ironbirds. Yeah. Yeah. So she was supporting that too. Well, you know, plus the stadium was the Ripken Stadium. I guess that's the one closest to where she was there in, yeah. in Aberdeen. Exactly. Right. It's pretty cool. She, I mean, she'd been in baseball her whole life, you know. That's all she'd so ever she known since she was a teenager. Right. So, good when, stuff. When she got married, yeah. All right, Dale, we're moving up to July the 24th of 2012. 12th. Yeah. And Violet, she was 74 years old at the time. And at that time, she had a... A daily routine. Well, don't we all pretty much? Well, yeah. But she would begin at around the same time every morning, and it started with her getting up and getting the newspaper from her front porch, and eventually led her to making a trip to her nearby McDonald's. She's done this every morning. Hmm. And it was a routine that her neighbors, friends, and everybody knew that she had over the years. I mean, she stuck to this routine, and especially the next-door neighbors, they knew what she did. Well, sure. Cause they, nosy. Yeah, they have. They, they actually lived next to her for 30 years. Yeah. So they knew. Yeah. But it was theorized that this routine might have been noticed by somebody with intentions that were anything but, I guess, pure, I guess. Honorable. Yeah, yeah. honorable mm-hmm. or somebody that was wanting some mischief. Well, tell us why. Well, it was, like this, uh, it was on this July 24th, 2012. This was a Tuesday. And Violet's morning routine sort of went like it always did. You know, it was a warm summer day there in Aberdeen, Maryland. And Violet was preparing to leave the house to go do a routine. Yeah, she's going to get her some coffee and egg muffin or something. Yeah. And this was sometime between 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. And Violet entered her garage, and she was met by a horrifying sight. It was a strange man standing in her garage brandishing a weapon Mm -hmm. yeah and he was wearing a ski mask and gloves and he directed violet towards her own vehicle which is a silver 1998 lincoln town car Hmm. now there violet was bound and blindfolded and the man bound her ankles wrist with rope and he originally planned to duct tape or put duct tape over her eyes and put her in the trunk and she seemed to plead with him and beg him not to do that. Yeah, I say she kind of was flipping out over a little bit. This yeah. is this is what the tale is anyway. Yeah, that she uh, suffers from uh, claustrophobia, so yeah. maybe he just felt bad for her. Maybe he did. And he instead placed the duct tape over her glasses, which mostly, I guess, kept it in kept her in the dark, but allowed her to sit in the back seat and she had a little bit of i guess peripheral vision yeah well she could see a little bit and she's in the back seat and not in the trunk so maybe she's just happy and sitting there with tape on her glasses she's probably mad because you got tape on her glasses yeah <laughs> well that and you got your hands and feet bound well yeah that's gonna suck all right now later this man 
uh, seemed to realize that she could see. Yeah, you know, a little bit out to sides or something. Yeah. You know, the duct tape straight over her glasses, you leave, you know, like some holes, I guess. Yeah. So he replaced the duct tape with a mask, some kind of mask, and then it completely blocked her vision. I wonder if he took his off and turned around backwards and put it on her head. That's a very good possibility. I mean, unless he's carrying like handfuls of masks. Yeah, who's carrying <laughs> That that's, one, yes. that's a very good I got lots of questions about that. You know, yeah. yeah. That's a very good possibility, dude. But now Violet was in the back seat of her own car, and she was driven away from her home. And this man didn't seem to tell her where he was going. Nope. Or why he was taking her anything. And he seemed to have drove her around for most of the day. Eventually, he put some kind of white shirt or white sheet over the back window of the driver's side. And this was an attempt to... I guess hide her or something, so people couldn't see in the car. Right. You know, he probably pulled that out of his mask pocket. Yeah, in his mask pocket, he had a, you know a sheet or something in there too. Pull it yep. out and put it. <laughs> now, Violet's abductor seemed to make multiple stops for gas and food, Dale, and seemed not to be overly malicious or harmful toward her. I guess and, not. And he kept reassuring her that he wasn't going to hurt her, and even shared some cigarettes and fast food with her. Right. And it, it seemed like. He didn't even know who she was, making no mention of her baseball-playing husband or son. Right. In fact, he seemed oblivious to the fact entirely and just kept driving around the Baltimore area. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, what the hell is the point here? But for more than 12 hours, no one was even aware that Violet had been abducted. Well, of course not. Because she lived alone. by herself. Yeah. And everybody, all the neighbors are probably going, man, she's been a long time at McDonald's today. Yeah. <laughs> and it was roughly around 8.30 p.m. when she was reported missing. So what happened there? Because it was around 8.30 p.m., there was a couple that lived near White Marsh, Maryland. Hmm. And they encountered a strange man that was pulled off the side of the road. And this was on some property that they had owned. Right. Near the intersection of... The, Eber- co- the couple owned, right? Yeah, the couple had owned. Okay. And this was... a. Uh, at the intersection of Ebenezer Road and Pulaski Highway. And this was about 20 miles from Violet's house. And the, after the couple witnessed this strange sight, they decided to write down the license plate number. Well, smart. Yeah. And they even called uh, police and filled them in on what was going on. Right. And it was around 8.35 p.m., the Baltimore County police contacted officials with the Harford County Sheriff's Department who held jurisdiction over Violet's home there in Aberdeen. And they were told that an elderly woman with silver hair appeared to be had been taken captive by a man wearing gloves and were provided information given by the 911 caller. Right. Well, when they pulled up, you know, they were, like, checking it out, and they're going, what the hell's going on here? This is weird. Yeah. And uh, the, the guy was out of the car, and he had on gloves. In the middle of summer. In the middle of summer, which was weird. Mm-hmm. And then they could see the woman in the car, but they apparently they still had the thing up, too, the white thing or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, what are, what are you doing here? Because they're on their property. And he goes, well, that's my mom, and she's got Alzheimer's. That's just weird. So that means you got on gloves and got her in the back seat. And the, I don't know, yeah, what the hell? Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of sketchiness going on here. But the uh, Aberdeen- Anyway, right after that, yeah. the guy jumps in the car and takes off leaving. Now, why the woman don't holler, I don't know. Yeah, he left pretty quick, too. Yeah. PDQ. Yeah, but the Aberdeen police were dispatched to Violet's home. It was along Clover Street there, and it 
became clear that Violet or her vehicle weren't home. Now, it was just a little past 9 p.m., and she was definitely supposed to be at home because she, I guess the neighbors knew that she turned in early. <laughs> That's funny. What's that now? That the neighbors knew. Yeah, the neighbors knew. <laughs> Especially if you live somebody beside somebody for 30-something years, they're going to know you're comings and goings. She's yeah. staying up late tonight. It's 8.30. Yeah, she's out partying. Be the same lady looking at my windows. Damn, he's up past 8.30. He must not have to work tomorrow. Yeah. But the police began reaching out to all of Violet's known friends and family, and none of them had any idea where she could be. Mm. But the police, they entered Violet's home, and they quickly found her cell phones. Which is another weird thing. Yeah, indicating that she had not left of her own accord. Mm. But, you know, there's some people, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. She's 74, and this is 2001. 12. Yeah, I mean, I know they're pretty popular then, but, you know, everybody's not like they are now where you can't leave the home without it. Like, my father-in-law used to, he had a cell phone, he would turn it on, call you, and turn it right back off. You couldn't, you couldn't call him back. If you didn't answer, if he left a message, he didn't. So, I mean, he didn't care if he had it or not. So, Don't call me, I'll call you kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it, was kind of, it was crazy. He'd call you and then hang up and turn it off because he's afraid his minutes was using up. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That that kind of don't tell me that for sure she didn't leave on her own accord just because her cell phone was home. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. But they did find her cell phone or phones. It's yeah, indi- I, been I indicated where, yeah. she had two phones somewhere. For, yeah, why would that be, I think? Yeah. Unless it was a personal one was the other one for all those businesses. Or, Could be. And I get that. Yeah. But the police bay began scouring through the home and looking for any kind of clues and even began combing through the surrounding area. Right. And her neighborhood quickly came to a standstill. Well, I guess so. The cops are going to shut that place now. Yeah. You know? And they were all over the intersections and streets and everything, shutting down traffic. Right. Making everybody take detours and go. Had to get home. Yeah. And police officers, they began going door to door, canvassing her friends and neighbors for information as to when they had last seen her. And if they'd seen anything suspicious. Yeah, wonder why the neighbors didn't see that. Uh, exactly. And there was one neighbor told the police that he had seen an unfamiliar pickup truck on the street a few days earlier. Right. Which had been driving back and forth down the street. And at the time, the neighbor had no idea that Violet was missing because police had not publicized that information yet. But this lead was collected by officers as they struggled to learn what had happened to Violet. So I guess they're just going knocking on the door and go, see anything weird? And didn't, yeah. didn't give them a reason? You noticed anything weird around the neighborhood lately? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, eh. I'd be like, uh, why are you asking me that? Well, I can't tell you, but, oh yeah, by the way, there's been a pickup truck riding around here. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot of, a lot of weird stuff to this case. Mm-hmm. Keep going. But police concluded that Violet had been abducted earlier that day, and they prepared to issue a, a public plea for help around 5 30 a.m the following morning so she's going all night now yes now on the morning of wednesday july the 25th 2012 the 24-hour mark of violence disappearance was getting close Mm. she'd been gone for almost 23 hours right and police sent out a press briefing that morning informing pretty much everyone the world the violence disappearance and possible kidnapping and it hoped that this release of this information would help to lead her safe return. And it was about 45 minutes after this press briefing was released. This was about 6.15 a.m. A 28-year-old neighbor of Violet's, his name was Eric Snyder. He was coming home from an overnight shift. He worked in a warehouse. Mm-hmm. And he was driving through the neighborhood there on Clover Street. 
and he was forced to turn around due to the barricade. Po- yeah, the police presence there. Yeah. And they were looking for clues in the Violet's disappearance, and Eric had to turn around to go a roundabout way to get home. Take the long way home. Yeah. And it was moments later, Eric came upon a, a weird sight. He saw a silver sedan parked not too far away with an elderly woman sitting in the back seat. Mm-hmm. And what was really weird is she was waving uh, what it looked like a sweatshirt out an open window while trying to honk the car horn. While sitting in the back seat with her hands bound. Yeah. So so this Eric Snyder, he called the police and That's told them about the this suspicious sight, which ultimately led to the safe return of Violet. So the, the kidnapper had uh, brought her back to the neighborhood and just left her. Or maybe Eric Snyder just got out of the car and called him and said he found it. Hmm. I don't know. I don't either. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, not as weird as being able to wave a shirt and try to honk the horn from the back seat of a car with your hands apparently bound together. That's just weird, man. And a mask on backwards. Yeah. But the police came upon this uh, scene and they discovered Violet Ripken's Lincoln Town car had been returned to the neighborhood she lived in. And surprisingly, the driver had abandoned the car just a block from her house there in Everdeen <laughs> with her in the back seat and her hands still bound. Mm-hmm. Waving a towel and trying to blow the horn. Yeah, or a sweatshirt or something. Yeah. She was waving something. Yeah. That's but true. yeah. But the culprit had safely returned Violet to the area of her home and but never told her why he'd been he'd abducted her. I mean it's and he also didn't seem to have any other kind of note or rationale for his behavior. No, I don't know. With there being no explanation for abduction or anything. I think later she would say somebody was like wanted money in the car, but I mean he didn't take either. He didn't know ransom, didn't keep the car, didn't maybe you think maybe he just figured out who the hell it was and so went panicked. Yeah. Hmm. Because while they were driving around, you know, he was looking in the car, asking her about stuff that was in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Like um I guess she had some iron, iron birds, bird stuff, yeah. Yeah, from the minor league team. He had no clue. No. I don't even you know, I don't know if he knew who she was. I don't even know if he was there. You don't know? <laughs> I swear I don't. Huh. Because if I just wait, I got lots of questions. I'm going to go back through this when we get done. But there was a man, his name was Mike Hudson, and he lived across the street from Violet, and he told reporters later that day, it's just hard to believe the guy came all the way back to the street and dropped her off. That makes me believe that this guy was local, very local, which makes me think he's local too, if, if it was a, the abductor. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, police, they begin trying to piece all this together and with the uh, specific details of the crime. We know they make a big deal out of him bringing her and dropping her off, right, or just leaving her. Yeah. Well, they don't ever say nothing about the deal that, how the hell did he get in her garage to begin with? I mean, he don't just materialize. Here I am. Yeah. He had to get there somewhere. Well, he she walk. raised the door and he walked in. I mean, did he walk in? He walk, Where'd he walk from? Did somebody drop him off? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He magically he's there and takes her car because they don't have one. Otherwise, he's being the driver in the street or down the road or something. Because you know these nosy neighbors, they're going to see somebody walking down the street. Yeah. Okay. Told you I was going to wait, but I couldn't wait for that one. Oh, I know. I get, they, I get what you're saying. Yeah, because the whole time they, they make a big deal about this, and he might be local. Hell, he might be. He might have just walked from the house next door. Because, I don't know, all of a sudden she walks out and he's in the garage. I mean, we don't know if this garage had a door on it or whatever. It could have just been open, you know, whatever. 
But he was in there, but how did he get there? That was my question. I agree. Okay. But the police, they begin trying to put all this together in the specific details of this crime, but were shocked to learn that Violet's abductor had returned her, completely unharmed. In fact, other than being just bound and blindfolded, the kidnapper seemed to have actually treated her pretty well. Yeah. Fast food and cigarettes, baby. Yeah. There's a guy named Gus Kowalski. He was a neighbor of Violet's. And I think Violet had confided in him later on, and he had spoke to the media about the ordeal. Uh, she had told him that he lit cigarettes for her, stopped for food. He said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to take you back. And that's what he did. He just wanted money in the car. Right. Hmm. Yeah. If that was the point, why didn't you just take the damn car to begin with? I mean, but, he could have put the gun to her head and said, give me your credit cards in your car and I'm out of here. Yeah. Instead of doing this 12-hour joyride, 24-hour joyride to smoke cigarettes and eat fast food. Hmm. I yeah. guess she was just bathrooming in the back seat. I mean. It didn't say anything. I mean, who can, who can hold their, their bladder for 24 hours? Yeah. Uh, weird. Yeah. But the Ripken family would release a statement later that evening thanking the police and stating their gratefulness that uh, Violet had been returned home and safe and sound. Well, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Be freaking out. Now, on uh, July the 25th, on the afternoon of July the 25th, this was just hours after Violet had returned home, the Aberdeen Police Department held a brief press conference. And, Dale, we've got this press conference right here. Okay. Uh, the Aberdeen Police Department received a call from the Baltimore County Police Department last night at about 8.30 p.m., at which time county police had received a call about a suspicious vehicle in the Ebenezer Road area of the county, and the information that was obtained at that time led, the, led to the investigation of Miss Ripken's disappearance. At about 6.15 this morning, Mrs. Ripken was located unharmed in her vehicle in close proximity to her residence. At that time, she was assessed by local paramedics from the Aberdeen Fire Department, where she was not found to be injured, and at this time, she is resting with her family. Um, be between 7 and 8 a.m. Tuesday morning, we believe a male subject approached Miss Ripken at her residence, produced a handgun, and forced Miss Ripken into her vehicle, at which time he fled the area. After he fled the area, we believe that he drove throughout central Maryland, and at this time we are not sure what locations he was at, what time he was driving in what counties, and that is still under investigation at this time. Police are still looking for a white male, late 30s to early 40s, with a tall, thin build. He was last seen wearing a light-colored shirt, camo pants, and eyeglasses. We believe the male is still armed with the handgun and should be considered dangerous. This investigation was handled by the Aberdeen Police Department with assistance from the FBI, the Harford County Sheriff's Office, the Maryland State Police, and the Baltimore County Police. We all worked together and collaborated in this investigation. That is the facts that most know already, so if you have any questions, I'll be glad to answer. What's the suspect's motive? What's the motive? Was she in the car the entire time? She was missing for about 24 hours or so, or unaccounted for. And can you describe what state, when you did find her, was she tied up? Was she gagged? What can you tell us? What I can tell you right now that if her state, of course, she was upset when we found her. Um, 
how we found her and uh, what she was wearing and, and whether she was bound at the time that we put her out of the car, we are not releasing it this time. Investigation, the investigators are still talking to her and witnesses to determine exactly what happened and where it happened. Was the credit card used, ATM card? What was the motive? Motive, motive is unknown at this time. Investigator, like I said, investigators are still out there. This case is still brand new. We are, we are really beginning the investigation. We have several investigators from several agencies out there talking to as many witnesses as we can. Since we've put the information out, we've gotten several calls from throughout the area, and each one of these calls are being interviewed. Each one of these callers are being interviewed, and that and their information is being investigated. She, what does the record doesn't believe part? this guy knew who she was? She's, say, she's saying that she doesn't. He didn't recognize the Ironbird stuff. Is there anything? Do you think this was a Ripken kidnapping, or is this just some random crime? What do you think at this point? Right now, we can't speak of what the motive is. We, like I said, we are still looking at this investigation. We are looking at every witness, every clue. For us to say or speculate on a a motive would be unfair and. Just, it just wouldn't be true. Chief, what if any contact was there between the kidnapper and the Ripken family? Any kind of ransom demand, anything like that? And if you can look straight ahead as you answer. Yeah, at this time we don't know what, if any, relationship there was between the, the perpetrator of this crime and Ripken family. Was there a ransom demand? At any this, demand for money? At this time I can say uh, we know of no ransom demand. One question was it her okay. what, which oh, car oh, was was he driving around in? Was it her car or was it another vehicle? Because it's unclear from the state from the news release. He was he was driving her vehicle, um, which was a silver Lincoln Continental. And I believe this, it was a nineteen ninety eight. He was driving her vehicle. She was taken from her residence in her vehicle, and she was located back at her residence in her vehicle. Was, was she in the trunk? Was she in the trunk at the time? All right. Thank you very much. That is all we, we can talk about right now. As soon as we know anything else, and like I said, this, this thing is moving very quickly, um, and we are interviewing people as, as we are right here. There's people being interviewed right now. As soon as we know something, we will let you know, and any pertinent information, we will get after the media as soon as possible. Was it a citizen's tip? Th thank mentioned? you very much. Thank you. All right, now the investigation into this weird kidnapping officially started on the evening of Tuesday, July the 24th, approximately 12 hours after Violet had been abducted from her own garage. So after abducting Violet from her home, the kidnapper seemed to have no set destination in mind. He just kept driving around Central and Western Maryland, making his way through Harford, Baltimore, and Frederick counties, and police also believe that he made his way even into Pennsylvania, which uh, put this into a federal jurisdiction, mm -hmm. and this invited the FBI to establish a presence. Now, in wait, this they, case, they don't know he went there; they just said he did, so they could get the FBI in. Pretty much, that's what it sounds like to me. That's what it sounds like to me too. But the police seem to have tracked this man's strange trip around the area, and there's just was no rhyme or reason for any of it. Yeah. He must not need money too bad. He had enough to put gas in the car, drive around for 24 hours, and get plenty of food. Unless he was using well, her. he might have been using her car. He could have. Yeah, that's true. Finally, something that makes sense. But it was also unknown how this kidnapper managed to drive Violet's car back into her neighborhood, which was under this Supposed lockdown. Supposed This lockdown, yeah. And there was an increased police presence through the entire neighborhood, and the sudden reappearance of her vehicle indicated that he was either a local 
who you know sort of live nearby are incredibly familiar with the area to me it kind of makes the cops look bad i mean they didn't even find it some other guy found it right down the road and caught him you know, they, i don't guess they were expecting the car to show up there well why were they just sitting around giant police presence and locking the streets down yeah knocking on doors i mean look in the driveway the car ain't there so you know they ain't there hmm i don't know this whole damn thing's weird but based on information by the investigators, it wasn't believed that Violet knew her abductor, nor he knew her. He seemed to have no idea who she was during all these travels. But, you know, like we said, he seemed to ask her questions about the items in her car. Right. And it almost seems to me that maybe he, during all this, if this happened, he found out who she was, that she was from a prominent family, the, the Ripken family. and. Yeah. Said, oh, man, I need to take her back and just walk away from this. He must have got scared or either that or he was too dumb to figure out how to get money out because these people are loaded. Yeah. I mean, money, money, money. And then, but, I mean, if he didn't know who she was, how does he think she's going to get money out of her anyway? Because this is 2012, right? Mm-hmm, it is. And it's a 1998-something Lincoln car. So, it's, unless the house is a lot nicer than I'm thinking, and I'm thinking it's not real extravagant because it's the one that her and cal senior had you know come up in yeah so uh, i don't know it just doesn't make sense to me no and then when he realized if he if he did realize who it was then that would be even more reason to try to get money out of him if that's what he was that was the the motive which seems to be the the big question what the hell the motive was because nobody seems to know yeah because this type of abduction bringing her back this was completely off kilter for them they wasn't expecting this at all dude no Mm-mm. they just had a roadblock up a road here and while the guy went all the way around the neighborhood and parked the car right behind him yeah this stuff don't happen no this is like police squad yeah and they said there was no kind of ransom or anything no like, no, no ransom demand or yeah. i tell you if this was a younger lady i would think it'd be like that uh Sh- sherry what's her name benini papini but yeah yeah something like that you know which i'm, I'm definitely not saying this is what this was but if it was a Younger later or something might be because it's just strange. Yeah, the whole damn thing. Yeah, Violet's what seventy two, seventy four, I think seventy four. Yeah, so yeah, this is just very weird. But they said that robbery seemed to be the most likely motive for this abductor, and it was later determined that the man had taken Violet's credit cards and used them on the day she was kidnapped. Okay, so wait, wait a minute. So he took her to Walmart and just left her in a car, maybe with the towel up and. On one window. And, yeah, in the middle of summer. Yeah. With a note, don't don't break the window, air conditioner's on, my mom has all summer. Yeah. But don't, the, no, don't worry, she's duct taped the head and a mask. <laughs> there's a lot of... I'm a, sorry, go ahead. I'm, I mean, just, I'm killing you here, I know it. But I'm going to tell you this too, dude. This case hadn't been covered much. You don't hear much about this. I wonder why. Yeah, this is exactly why. <laughs> there's something fishy going on with this. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a... A big conspiracy person but this is it's just weird yeah and we'll get some more weird stuff here in a minute but they would never announce what this abductor had bought with the credit cards of violets believing that inf- information should remain confidential you know i guess oh, yeah. I, and i get you know false information or false confessions and yeah, we don't want to give it away yeah. Yeah, yeah but the day after violet was returned home this was on thursday july the 26th Police released images from a surveillance camera which showed this mysterious abductor entering a nearby store. 
and the store's details were not disclosed by the police at that time, claiming that it could you know, like compromise the investigation. But uh, you, know, you could tell it's Walmart. Yeah, the viewers, they pieced it together, and it was a Walmart in Anne Arundel County in Maryland. And it was more specifically, it was a Walmart in Glen Burnie. This is a town roughly 40 miles southeast of Violet's home in Aberdeen. Hmm, I've been to a Walmart in Glen Burnie. You have? Yeah. You might see, not have been the same one, but they probably didn't see me. I wasn't driving that kind of car. <laughs> yeah, okay. But you didn't see a woman with the car? With the... No, but I, I've seen these pictures and some of this video, and they got a damn, I mean, this it's a good shot of this dude. Oh, it was clear as day. It's, I mean, you know, we get those weird ones all the time. You know, we have surveillance, but it looks like, you know, the blob or something. No, it's just right there. I mean, and we're going to post pictures of this, too. Yeah, and it's like, they still don't know who the hell it is. Come on, man. Yeah. But despite initially releasing just a few pictures of this footage, the police would eventually release a 30 second yeah. clip, yeah. which showed this man entering the store and shopping. And the footage actually gets some pretty good shots of this man. Yeah. High resolution images. Yeah, yeah, I don't get it. What yeah, he must have had went in plastic surgery with a credit card after he left. But uh, he was described as a white man who looked to be in his late thirties or early forties, who was pretty tall and thin, and he was estimated to stand at around five foot ten and weighing about two hundred pounds, with short brown hair and normal looking features, and wore glasses. And at the time of the abduction, he was wearing a light-colored shirt with camo-patterned pants. But the surveillance footage released by the investigator shows him wearing long white shirt and jeans, as well as an orange, black-and-white baseball cap. Yeah. Which, ironically, are the colors of the Baltimore Orioles. That shirt, it looks kind of big, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, And it's it? a button-up shirt on top of another shirt, because you can see the shirt underneath. I wonder if this is what was on the window. Oh, that's a good thought. Could have been. Hmm. What's funny is in your background, you see this girl over there. She's got on like really, really short shorts and a t-shirt, and this, and this dude's got on two shirts and a hat and pants. Yeah. Hmm. That could have been very well been, dude. But later on that November, this was roughly four months after the abduction, police revealed an additional photo of the culprit, which were taken at a Walmart in Middle River, Maryland. It's about 20 miles from the other Walmart in Glen Burnie. And this footage shows the man wearing different clothing, including a different hat. Yeah. And the police claimed that this footage was taken the day after Violet was returned home, July the 26th. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Now, later, detectives would reveal that the man was returning items he had purchased at the Glen Burnie Walmart two days prior, having paid for them with Violet's credit cards. So what he was doing, seems like to me, is he went somewhere and bought some stuff and then took it back to another one trying to get cash back from this credit card purchase. So it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. But the investigators would not disclose what the items were, and they kept this information confidential. Yeah, and they still hadn't said no. Now, at the time of these photos were released, this is in November of 2012, police also revealed images of a green Dodge minivan from the Walmart parking lot, which had... Uh, several bumper stickers on the back and side windows. But the police did not state that the abductor had been driving the minivan, but the driver of it might know some about the culprit. <laughs> Investigators wanted to speak to him. Right. Now, these surveillance pictures of the abductor, obtained from numerous cameras in the region, led the police to make a sketch of the of the man. Correct. 
And also uh, Violet's witness. Testimony yes. was, you know, it aided in this uh, drawing. Exactly. And in addition to the surveillance images, the police sketch was released to the public and highlighted on billboards in the surrounding area, and especially along I-95 and I-83. Now, you think this man still lives in the damn neighborhood and he's local? We got a picture of him, I mean, at Walmart, up close, and a damn billboard. And you think nosy neighbor number 85 ain't seen this man if he lives in this damn neighborhood? I don't know, man. That's what I'm saying. If he's local, they got to know him. They got to know him. Well, this is a small town, dude. So. Yeah. So anyway, in August of 2012, just about a week after the safe return of Violet, Cal Ripken Jr. spoke to the reporters at a press conference. And we've got this press conference right here, Dale. All right, cool. Um, I think there's really a couple reasons uh, why I'm here uh, today. First and foremost, uh, everyone's been asking how the family is, how mom is, how she's doing uh, from, a, from a health standpoint. And I appreciate uh, all the outpouring of love and support for our family. And uh, I want to be able to report that uh, mom is doing pretty good. Um, you know, uh, it's a traumatic um, um, situation that she was involved in, traumatic for all of us in the family, and we're trying really hard to come together and support each other um, in this. Uh, but mom, mom, by and large, is a tough, strong woman, um, uh, was able to endure this, but uh, she's, doing, she's doing pretty good. So, again, I just want to thank everyone for their, their concern and thoughts for our family. Um, secondly, I think I'm here because uh, to deliver a message that, uh, you know, law enforcement needs your help. Um, the investigation is, uh, uh, is moving along. If you know anything about uh, the case, if you know anything about uh, uh, the identity of the person in the photos, the sketch, I would encourage all of you to, uh, um, to call in and, uh, and report what you know. You know, it was very emotional. Uh, I think that uh, we were all thinking the worst possible things during the course of time when we were looking for. Um, and not knowing what, what, what the reason was, and we still don't know really the motivation for it. Um, but uh, having her back, I think, was uh, overly emotional. We, we were very uh, excited, and, and I think we all let our emotions show just from the uh, severity of what, what had happened. Well, I mean, I, I too will say it's bizarre. I don't have any experience to say why it's bizarre. Uh, uh, Mom was taken at gunpoint from her own house uh, when she was tied up and she was driven around. And... Uh, and for what we know right now, from what I know, we don't know why. And so that's, uh, it's bizarre on many levels, and it's unsettling on many levels, but uh, um, it's strange to say the least. Having to do this? No, this is very uncomfortable, um, uh, no doubt about it. I mean, this, the set of circumstances that has me before you um, doesn't feel good. Uh, I think it's the right thing in the end, you know, to, uh, to assist law enforcement uh, in, in their job. but. Um, I think uh, the reason I decided to do it uh, mainly was uh, uh, to help deliver a message that mom, mom's doing pretty good. Because everywhere I go, people ask me about my mom. And uh, she had a chance to be known, maybe not as much as uh, Billy, myself, or, or even Dad. But uh, she's the rock of the family. And also, Dale, in November of that year, Cal Ripken Jr. spoke again about the abduction and the effect it was having on his mom. Well, I'm sure it affected his mom and it affected all of them. Yeah. I mean, you know. And How could it not? And I'm sure they had to... Well, it didn't happen. Uh, 
I guess they had to work with her to how to be more safe and and like we say, be aware of your surroundings. Well, she's always also a tough woman. She says she wasn't going to go home and hide. That would, just wouldn't be much fun for her. No, she and I get it. Yeah. Yeah, she had spoke to the press in the following year, and she just said, you know, she wasn't going to hide away for the rest of her life. All right, now, Dale, police continued their investigation, hoping to find some kind of closure for the Ripken family. Yeah, trying to find something. Yeah, and they received a tip from a local inmate. His name was Michael Molitor who had pointed them towards uh, some kind of potential suspect. And it came to light in April of 2013 that this tip wasn't credible. And it was due to evidence going against Mauder's name, person of interest, who was later revealed to be a former acquaintance of his. Yeah. It was also believed that Mauder only forwarded the name to police in an effort to get him help himself bailed out of jail. He's trying to get some help. Yeah. False information. And it came to light that he had a history of giving false info to the police. Mm, there you go. Having once done that a few years earlier in 2010. Right. Oh, yeah. And uh, to back up just a little bit, when she was missing and they first figured out she was missing and they made that press conference that morning, they announced that they had this huge reward for anything they could find out about her. Yeah. They were offering $2,000. $2,000. And this man... Hmm. Yeah, you know this family's loaded. Sorry, I mean they are, but I mean because Cal, not saying he didn't earn it, whatever. He but he had lots of money from playing ball, and plus he had lots of stuff after ball, and he was like getting like thirty million dollars a year and all that stuff. So they had tons of money. So it's another thing that kind of bugs me. This this family that's got all this money, and your mom was missing, and I make thirty million dollars a year just on my businesses, not counting all this other stuff. So I'm gonna offer you two thousand. Yeah, tell me where Mama's at. Yeah, that ain't that to me. That is just two thousand. That's nothing. Nothing. You know who's gonna rat out somebody for two thousand dollars? Nobody. And uh, this one gets me too. It was just a few weeks after the one year anniversary. Uh, Cal Ripken Jr. announced that he was increasing the reward from two thousand to a hundred thousand over over a year later. Yeah. What? Yeah. Come on, man. So I well, guess two ain't enough. What should we go to? Uh, let's try 100. Well, why can't you just do it 100 in the first place? Why couldn't they have done that from the get-go? Right. I mean, if you got, I mean, millions and millions of dollars, $100,000 is a lot of damn money. When's 2000 is a lot of money. But if you got millions, 2000 ain't nothing. So, I mean, 100000 ain't nothing. So, I mean, 100000 is a lot to normal everyday folks like myself. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if you got, if you loaded, why not come in, come in swinging hard, you know? Swing, yeah. Swing for the fence, Cal. Do what you got to do at the time yeah. to get some closure on. You could have offered a million dollars to bring Mama home. Yeah. And what's that to you? Nothing. Nothing. But see, that's another thing that kind of weirded me out about this. So wow. just, two thousand is. That's just telling me she's worth two thousand bucks. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Good point. But unfortunately, Violet Ripkin's two thousand twelve abduction wasn't the only frightening incident she would have, Dale. Oh, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, it was a little over a year after her kidnapping. This was in October of 2013. Once she finally started to get back into her routine again, she was going back out. She was leaving the NBRS bank in downtown Aberdeen. And as she left the bank and began walking back to her, her car, a man with a handgun confronted her in the parking lot. Again. Again, yeah. <laughs> And he had her at gunpoint and was demanding her car. But by this time, Violet was 76 years old and 
and she reacted pretty quick and she pressed a panic button on her car keys and the lights started flashing and her car horn blasting and yeah and so he ran away or what? yeah yeah so that's pretty smart yeah i ain't saying that work every time but that's that's pretty quick thinking yeah and the gunman fled from the scene and was located by the police about two hours later and he was identified as 33-year-old Jesse Bowen, who lived nearby. He was later charged with attempted armed robbery, attempted armed carjacking, assault, and some other offenses. So I wonder how they found him. I don't know. He never said, have he? No, that ain't heard how I they mean, found she's him. she's seen him for three seconds, mashed the button, he ran away, and they found him. And she was in a car with a guy for 24 hours and can't find him. Yeah, who took her back home. Yeah. But the police didn't believe these two separate instances were related, with Bowen not matching any of the descriptions of Violet's kidnapper from 2012. Matching description. All you got to do is look at the damn picture. Yeah. They said he looked a little bit, uh, quite a bit different. He was several inches shorter and weighed about 50 pounds less. Well, there you go. You don't say nothing about matching her description. Just look at the damn picture. Exactly. I mean, you got one. <laughs> but the man from the 2012 abduction... Uh, is still wanted by law enforcement. To this day. Yeah. If caught, he could face a 30-year prison sentence. Yeah, the max, baby. Yeah, the, there's no... Uh, Statue of limitations. Yeah, it don't, it don't run out on this. Nope. Mm, this is a federal crime, dude. No kidnapping and weapons charges. You know, they, it's not taken lightly. They're going to hammer you right there on that. Yeah. And this, this case remained talk of the town there in Aberdeen for Aberdeen. quite a long time. What are your... What are your thoughts on this, dude? Oh, man. I don't want to hammer this thing to pieces. I just, before we go back to the garage, how the hell did he get in the garage? That was my first question. The only thing I can think of is if he come in the garage and she was opening it and hanging out there somewhere. Okay, how did he get there? Exactly. To the house. You know, I mean, he, did he walk there? Somebody dropped him out? Did he drive his car and park it down the road? Did he park it down the road a little bit because he knew in 24 hours he's going to come back and drop it off and get in his car and leave? Those are legitimate questions, dude, and I don't have an answer for them. Right. And then about the mask. I mean, why did he have an extra mask or did he put hers on there? You know, and then have no plan at all. Just We're just going to drive around for 24 hours. Yeah. Hell, I can't. I drive a couple hours. I don't want to drive no more. This is just very, very sketchy. The yeah. whole thing is just and weird. When, when the man and woman pulled up on them on their on their property and got out and asked him what he was doing why didn't she start yelling yeah help me help me i mean he's out of the car i mean of course yeah he could have shot them all you know but hell he could have shot her when he picked her up i mean he wasn't gonna kill her he would you know i mean i just don't think that she was in well then people said he did they would have said if he had a handgun (laughs) he had on his gloves yeah, he had on he had on gloves. So then he goes, "Well, that's my mom." And he jumps back in the car and start and leaves. But he was there long enough, and they're there long enough to get a the tag, you know. I was wondering if they processed that car and got uh, any kind of DNA off of it. He, he had to leave uh, some hair or something somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then you know, I don't know. It's just then the the, the two thousand dollar reward is weird. But there's some people believe that this man was maybe mentally deranged or something i don't know dude i don't know if you to me you say mentally deranged i'm thinking they're gonna come home and she's gonna be all over the walls and everywhere else in that house why would he put her in a car and drive around for a day yeah none of that makes any sense at all i mean if, if you go by what's been told to me i would think that he realized who she was she was from a prominent family and said hey i better stop this now i'm gonna take her back I'm just going to leave. Well, if that's the case, why the hell he wouldn't he just drive to the state line before you drive over, get out, leave her there, and walk away? 
Yeah. That way, FBI ain't involved because he didn't go across state lines. But he took her back and um, a block away. From her house. And left. And supposedly where all these cops were. Now, the cops were kind of embarrassed about this and then kind of tried to blame it on a shift change from, from the night, night shift to day shift. But you think all of them's going to leave? I mean, they're going to look up and go, well, shit, it's time to get off. Let's go. And they pack up the barricades and everybody goes home. And then 30 minutes later, a new crew comes up and sets up first up. No, they don't, that don't happen like that. Mm-mm. If some, something's going down, you're going to stay here till other people get here or we're going to figure something out. Cause there's overlapping the, the, the shifts. Poli- yeah. Going police on, yeah. are not going to do that. Mm-mm. Not, not in the, you know, with something going on. I'm clocking this. out and going home. Yeah. I got to go home. I mean, some, this is huge. If this happened. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the Ripken family is pretty much royalty there. Yeah. Not pretty much. They are. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the Kennedys, but a different way. You know, they're politic gimmicks and there's baseball thing, but same difference. Exactly. The huge, I mean, the family is, they make the town pretty much, you know. I get it. So, I don't know, dude. It just, it's just weird. But anyway, Dale, that is uh, the abduction of Violet Ripken. Very strange case, man. Man. You need to work some math. Can you call Cal and get him on here? Yeah, we need to get Cal on here. I, I don't have $50,000 to... <laughs> for a speaking you, fee? Yeah, that's what yeah. he gets for a speech, speaking fee. Yeah, he wouldn't even give that up for mom. No. So, yeah, this is kind of weird. It's a it's a good case. It's uh, strange. And even... There's said rumors up around the neighborhood that they don't even know if it really happened or not. If she was really missing or not. Yeah. So, there's more more people than me going, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, but if anybody has any thoughts or comments on this, please let us know. All right, if you know who this guy is in these pictures, let us know. If yeah, you're, if you're the guy, holler at us because we can use a hundred grand. I mean, a hundred thousand. Yeah, we'd love to solve this case. Well, it was the same thing, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right, dude, we're gonna get out of here. Okay, let's roll, Bill. We want everyone to be safe. Just please be careful and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is the Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.